Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, Amazon, how tech is feeling the ripple effect in the region. I'm talking companies like Microsoft, Pure Storage, Splunk, Symantec, who want to really increase their footprint here in the Washington, D.C. region to match the commitment that clearly Amazon has made. If you've ever wondered what the current trends are in government and technology, or just generally want to have a finger on the pulse of innovation here in our region, you need to be following our next guest, the president of government CIO, media and research, Mike Hoffman. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. You recently have been working on a significant survey measuring sentiment for technology consumers here in the region. Uh, Tell me a little bit about that and, and how you're hoping to communicate that to the market more generally. At Government CIO Media and Research, our mission is really focused on sharing best practices across different government agencies, really taking a look at any time where government and technology intersect. So as part of that mission, we've really made an initiative in 2019 to do more partnerships with universities uh, here in the D.C. region. So one of them, George Washington University, uh, partnered with us to do uh, personal surveys with over 120 of the government uh, leaders within the technology space. Uh, It was really important to us to do them in person. We wanted to sit down and really pick their brains about what are some of the different challenges and opportunities that exist uh, in this space. So our research team was able to do that, meet, meet them there, and we're working with the data analytics team over at George Washington's Business School to really start to crunch those numbers. Take a look at you know, those different surveys, pick out some of the areas in which some of the trends that we found. So you know, some of those might be you know, talking about artificial intelligence. Uh, where are some investments going on in cybersecurity? And it's been interesting. I mean, we haven't completed the report yet, but it's been really interesting where they see some of the trends there. So a lot of people, I, I mentioned AI, uh, but AI didn't come up that often. Uh, they didn't see that as a near-term opportunity because not enough of the infrastructure has been put in place when it comes to government agencies. They haven't laid down the IT infrastructure to really take advantage of it there. And what we wanted to do is look forward, look forward into the next five to 10 years. Uh, so, I, And I think that's been uh, a, a common topic that, that's come up is there's a lot of really exciting emerging technologies that are coming to government right now, but they really need to start to you know do the, excuse the sports analogy here, but the blocking and tackling first to really take advantage of, of some of those new technologies that are coming through. So you, that report will be out sometime in, in August? Yes. And they'll just be able to find it by going to governmentcio.com? And Absolutely. Great, and uh, we, we'd love to come you know back to the show and maybe talk about it a little bit more with you when we're able to uh, publish. That will be terrific. Meanwhile, uh, you mentioned uh, getting technology. And I think that a trend that really concerns a lot of us here in the region is whether or not the government is really committed to innovation. I mean, that mm-hmm. with Amazon coming here and with other uh, private companies here, bridging the gap between commercial and the government sector continues to be an area that concerns me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you seeing? You know, the Obama administration was so committed to it publicly. Has the Trump administration continued to be focused on it? Do you see the same innovation discovery trends we saw, say, two, three years ago? I think so. I, I think that was a concern of mine as well uh, when the new administration came. 
But there have been some clear examples where the government and some of these government agencies have made that investment and gone forward with some of the uh, suggestions and recommendations that existed, that were started, I should say, within the Obama administration. I'll give you a couple examples. One is the U.S. Digital Service. U.S. Digital Service is a group of developers and really smart uh, folks that are coming from the technology sector and doing two years at different government agencies such as Health and Human Services, Veterans Affairs, and really tackling some of those hard problems that have been talked about in those areas. Uh, for instance, um, you know the release of Vets.gov, or, or I should say what turned into VA.gov for Veterans Affairs, really improving the website the veterans are using to gain access to their benefits. Another example I would say would be maybe not here local, but I think you, there'll be some benefits from it. But the way that the U.S. Army has opened up their futures command down in Austin, Texas, that's a big deal, especially within the U.S. Army, because you have a four-star general down there leading futures command. And within the military, rank rank is everything, right? It's both rank and budget. So by putting the budget down there as giving them a significant budget, putting that headquarters in downtown Austin, Texas, is a real signal to the rest of the military that we really believe in this innovation culture. And if we want to keep the U.S. military up to speed with the rest of the world, then we're going to have to think a little bit outside the box or outside the base, as some people are saying. You speak of technology, I can't let you go without asking you what you're seeing with respect to Amazon HQ2. How is that affecting how you're seeing companies act on your beat? We work with a lot of uh, technology companies, especially ones that are based maybe out in California or down, like we mentioned, Austin, Texas. What we're seeing in some of the meetings there is a real interest in maybe increasing their footprint. I'm talking companies like Microsoft, uh, Pure Storage, Splunk, Symantec, who want to really increase their footprint here in the Washington, D.C. region to match the commitment that clearly Amazon has made when it comes to the crossroads between government and technology. I mean, we've, we've all seen it. There's quite a bit of lobbying and legislation coming forward in the future with big tech. I mean, all the I mean, how many times have we seen tech leaders in front of uh, on Capitol Hill talking with members uh, about some of those issues. They want to have that, they want to be able to show a commitment with a footprint here in the D.C. region. And for anybody that has uh, homes, owns homes in this area, uh, they can be sure to uh, see a, a boom in there, that area as well. Well, it's a really interesting view from the trenches, and certainly it shows that there's a difference between people assuming that something like an Amazon is going to change the economy and actually seeing a leading indicator of it. Mike Hoffman, president of Government CAO Media and Research. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. And now, non-billable consult with legal expert Andrew Sherman. Over the decades, our standards for ensuring that we have a diverse and inclusive society have evolved significantly from both a legal and a moral perspective. We begin with the notion of building a nation that was akin to a melting pot, and over the years have sought to better empower women, minorities, and any other member of our society that might have had an unfair barrier to enjoy the American dream. We seek balance, we seek fairness, diversity, and inclusiveness in our governmental leadership, our university faculty, our employment opportunities, and in our communities. We've also learned that there's an economic and innovation dividend when diversity guides our decisions in business, as well as in life, often yielding better results, higher productivity, and stronger profitability. In recent years, 
Our focus has been on diversity from a gender or race, religion, or sexual preference perspective. And I think that we can all agree that while much progress has been made, there's still a lot more room for improvement. But the next generation of diversity, as we approach 2020 and beyond, is neurodiversity. Neurodiversity, what does that mean? Well, in this next round of diversity, we'll be focusing not just on how we look, but also how we think. How do we approach problem solving differently? How do our backgrounds influence critical thinking? How do any emotional disorders such as stress, anxiety, ADD, affect our input to groups or the way we analyze problems? How can we ensure diversity of thought in all that we do? When it comes to effective business decision-making and in building teams and boards, a healthy balance of neurodiversity coupled with AI and big data is likely to yield the best results, both inside and outside the workplace or the boardroom. This next generation of diversity will help us ensure balance, perspective, and consequential analysis in our teamwork and in our collaboration. It should no way replace or impede the progress that we must continue to make in gender and racial-based inclusion, but rather will run in parallel as we evolve into the future. That was your non-billable consult with legal expert Andrew Sherman. Thank you to the Greater Washington Board of Trade. Greater Washington Board of Trade represents leading businesses, nonprofit organizations, and academic institutions, and has helped shape the development of our region for over 130 years. Visit boardoftrade.org to learn how a Board of Trade membership can help your organization succeed in this rapidly changing marketplace. Thanks to Auric, an international law firm that focuses on technology, energy, and infrastructure finance. Clients worldwide call on it for forward-looking commercial advice on transactions, litigation, and compliance. Learn more at auric.com. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan, online writer Barbara Ulrich, music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening. See you next time.